This Brian Golf Show with Chris Voshaw from Mizuno is presented by Pinned Golf and the Blackjack Rangefinder. It's a $200 rangefinder. You go to pinnedgolf.com. You use promo code BRIANGOLF. You're going to save already on something. I mean, it's worth $200. I'm actually not going to be sad if you just go to pinnedgolf.com and get your Blackjack Rangefinder for $200. The rangefinder that has slope that you can turn on and off. Tournament players, you got that. USB charging. No more CR2 batteries. Those things are like gold out on the black market, you know, like when you're on the golf course and your rangefinder dies, there's none of that. You're going to know if your rangefinder's dying. And by the way, I've had mine for like four months and I've never even came close to having that thing need to be charged yet. So definitely a reliable rangefinder at an amazing price that keeps up with the big boys out there. So go to pinnedgolf.com, use the promo code BRIANGOLF, Brian with a Y, and save big on your blackjack rangefinder. This Brian Golf Show is with Chris Voshaw from Mizuno. They have a big, big day, or a big week, I should say. When I recorded this, it was a big day, but now it's just a big week for the new STX and STZ line of Metalwood. So here's my conversation with Mr. Chris Voshaw. You are someone who everyone's probably seen you, you know, thanks to like Ian and TXG. And, you know, so again, mm-hmm. you are the face of marketing for Mizuno. And today is a very big day with the release of some new metal woods. And it's something that I believe, even though we all know that, you know, we're going to talk irons today. Like, that's what we're going to do here, Chris. We're going to talk. <laughs> Mr. Chris Voshel from Mizuno, we're going to talk about uh, irons from Mizuno. But you've been making a lot of gains in the, in the world of metal woods. And I know today you've got the new ST line that we need to get into. And I figured no better way mm-hmm. than for everyone to hear it from you. What are we going to be fitting with? What are we going to be seeing? What are the big advancements in Mizuno's Metalwood program. Yeah, I mean, today you're right. Today's a big day. It is our, our media embargo. So this morning, everything's a flip switch. Switch flips, I think, is the let's go with that one. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we're talking about all the new woods. So the ST line, we're very excited about. We've been working on it for a while now. And what I mean is, you know, it's really, while this is the next iteration in a line of woods, um, this is something that we've kind of had as a goal for a number of generations. What I mean by that is, you know, the, the old school way or how Mizuno developed was for the longest time was just like, we, we viewed everyone as like an independent uh, launch. And it's like, okay, what are we gonna do this year? How are we gonna rebuild that for the next year? And it was almost, I wouldn't say wiping the slate clean each year, but more or less, it's like, what's something way different? What's something we could do? But then we, start, we tried to look at more of so how we've developed on the iron side and how we can begin to build a little bit more trust within our woods. Not that our woods have ever been non-performing, but it's almost like they aren't viewed with the same esteem as our irons. So we started a project about three or four years ago to say, let's like put a line in the sand a number of years out and really start developing something where we're just building upon a foundation and making it better and better and better. And I know in the world of woods, like iterative improvements aren't what people like to hear. People <laughs> like to shout loud things, talk about big things. But really, those big things come from those small steps. So someone who hasn't tried a Mizuno driver in a long time, the STZ and the STX, they are phenomenal. They'll compete with any of the big boys out there. Well, and that's the big goal, right? So you've got the big boys. There's four or five companies that they are driver companies. You touched on, mm-hmm. you're, you're known as an iron company. You know, and you, got, you do a lot of great product, not just irons, wedges, putters. You know, your hybrids, the CLK is 
easily one of the best performing hybrids and it's like a little uh, under the radar sleeper mm -hmm. and it performs I think a lot because of the adjustability and the ways that you can adjust that hybrid but going into the woods um, I, I would say that Maybe it's not been the ball speed story out of a Mizuno driver, but it has been the playability feel. Everyone loves the way they look. So how do you mm -hmm. take that, go, all right, we've done a lot of really great things. We've made them perform well and good enough to win in the fitting bay and win out on tour and perform out on tour. How do you take it to the next level and go, all right, what is the one thing that we're really missing to make it to where it's not just slap a Z on it, is it? No, it's, it's more than that. So there's a lot that goes into it. I mean, there's, again, like with a, with a ball speed thing, like with drivers, because, I mean, look behind you, there's a huge, huge uh, launch monitor yeah. and simulator. You have to perform for ball speed. So you have to check that box. And that's something that with this new driver, we're using what's called an SAT 2041 face material. And I know everyone's going to tell you their face material does this or that or whatever. But this SAT is a beta titanium, which I don't believe anybody else right now is using a fully beta titanium. And what's special about beta is it's a stronger version of titanium that, that allows it to recover from deformation quicker. So when you hit the ball, when you get impact and that face flexes, it's going to recover quicker. It's going to put a little bit more ball speed on there. It's also a very strong and very stable material. It's got some nice elasticity properties, which allows us to get very aggressive on the on the face contours on the inside so we can get really aggressive of where we thin out areas, where we leave a little bit of extra mass to make sure we're living within the CT bound set forth by the USGA and the RNA, but at the same time delivering ball speeds that are ridiculous across the entire face. And then, you know, that that's the ball speed box you have to check, but then it's all about fitting and how is it going to work for different players. So with this, with this launch, we have the STZ and the STX. The Z really focuses on, and I'll, I'll take that back, I'll say those two letters refer to the axis of rotation or the axis of design that we're really focusing the mass on. Okay. So the STX is the X direction and the toe heel direction. We want to pull more mass towards the heel to ultimately make a club that's a little bit easier to turn over. And that's where the STX name comes from. So when you look at that club, it's a little bit shorter from toe to heel. It's a little bit deeper face. There's a large composite window on the toe side and more mass focused towards the heel. The STZ, on the other hand, the Z axis in the front back direction. So by concentrating more mass low and deep on that Z axis, we're able to make a very, very stable driver. So it's going to be more straight hitting. It's going to be more neutral. It doesn't have a, a you know, a, a bias to its head. And everything about that head is very much designed to be stable, designed to go straight. So you'll see the composite windows on the toe and the heel, a large composite section from the crown, a larger profile, a larger footprint. It looks more, I'd call it pancakey, like a little bit lower to the ground. Yep. All those things designed to increase the moment of inertia and to ultimately bring that center of gravity way back along that Z-axis. So then let's talk in like how a consumer talks, how a, a player comes in here. And, uh, you know, some people just say it is, well, this is a tour head and this is, this is for the hacker, mm -hmm. right? When in the fitting world, it's like, no, this is for a player that needs this profile, a little lower spin or maybe a little lower launch. And maybe this one's for somebody that needs that little extra forgiveness. Maybe they get that forgiveness from a little more spin on the miss hit. So they're not like, you know, falling out of the sky and duck cooking and all that. Mm -hmm. So in the terms though of, which which ones and I, I know this but like which ones are lower spinning i guess and more yeah. you know workable and which ones are you know what we just need this ball to go as straight as possible and as high as possible and we need as much ball speed as we can on our miss hits 
You know, it, it's a great question. And, and it, it, the answer may shock you a little bit in terms of what I'm going to say. Obviously, the one that's designed to go straight and to be super stable is the Z. It's everything is designed to just really not want to twist. Everything's designed to want to go very straight. The X, on the other hand, though, while we talk about minimizing that distance across the X axis to make it more draw bias, depending on how you set it up, we actually have interchangeable weights you could put in where you could pull a heavier weight on that X as well to make it actually more workable and not quite as draw bias. So for a player who likes to really be able to manipulate the ball, like likes to play cuts, draws, whatever, like just some workability for their driver, the X might actually be the better option as opposed to the Z because the Z is so stable it just wants to go straight. So if you're a consumer who's walking in, I think what you really need to ask yourself is, am I trying to pick something? Am I trying to hit the ball straight or do I want added workability? And I think that's going to drive you a direction in terms of which head you go with. Okay, and see, that's that's what everybody always wants. And they, they look at them, they come in, and they see them all in the shop, and they, they see two different heads or whatever, and they go, well, I can't hit this one. And it might actually be the one that actually fits them. And I think a lot of these drivers that are the, we're just going to say like the lesser forgiving drivers out there nowadays, they're actually, they, they are fairly forgiving in comparison to what a lot of these players that come in here have played in the past. I think that's a very good point. Like the, the, the days of like the tour driver and the tour really wanting like a low MOI and a crazy, you know, shallow center of gravity that doesn't spin at all and it's not very forgiving. Those days are a little bit past us where we're engineering them now where we can hit launch parameters, we can hit spin rates and launch angles with clubs that still have a very good MOI. So just because one is viewed as more of a player's driver versus a high handicap driver, the playability often doesn't really work out like that. They're all very stable, and it's all about which one can help you get the most consistent launch parameters more often. Right, right. Well, in this past week, you know, was it? It wasn't this week. It was uh, the Sony. Wasn't one of your players? Sony. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm sitting here thinking this past week. <laughs> I mean, it was American Express was yesterday as we're recording this. Uh, but it, what isn't it? Keith Mitchell led the field, and was it driving distance or ball speed or or both? It was driving distance. I didn't see the ball speed numbers. I didn't break down like the somebody. Somebody said that, and I might have just taken it because you know, as a fitter, I work in the. I'm like, oh, ball speed, ball speed, right? I get excited about that sort of thing. Yeah. So, but it's it's exciting because Keith's a really a cool story of how he's developed along with Mizuno. When we signed Keith, uh, I'm going to go back three years ago. It was an iron deal. Like his whole deal was he he loved his driver. He's always been a great driver that goes golf ball. He was very happy with the driver he was playing and not looking to change. So when we signed Keith, it was actually just to play some iron. However, we really leaned on him as a, as a, one of the premier drivers of the golf ball to help us in the development and really get things in his hand. And he's someone who's progressed along with Mizuno, who actually went into the SC190, then the SC200, and now the STZ. And I believe it's the first time in my in my memory that that he's actually led the led the uh, field in driving distance. So at sea level in Hawaii, hitting a three twenty seven per swing, pretty solid. <laughs> it's pretty it's pretty good, right? You know, I always have this thing in my head where I envision the, you know, the uh, OEMs. You know, someone like you going, hey. Hey Keith, on on this hole and this hole, when they keep track of driving distance, will you just pounce on it? And maybe you'll hit the fairway. Maybe you hit the fairway, and it'll just be this crazy inflation numbers. But I know that's not what's happening. I wish that were the case. That's actually a pretty good idea. I might I might have to send them a text or something. If you want to sell some drivers, man, I mean, it seems like you know when when somebody and and this when we kind of can go into irons because I know we've got a great history and success with irons um, in in. 
I mean, the JPX, the MP, they're both lines are amazing. You guys do very well there. But when someone not on staff with Mizuno puts in Mizunos, you sell more Mizunos because people go, right. these are obviously good because this person, you know, player A and player B, they're not getting paid to play them and they're playing. Them. You're, you're exactly right. I mean, we go back and we've had a long heritage of being really known for phenomenal forged iron. In the early 90s, it was not uncommon to see almost half the field playing Mizuno iron. So the, the days of pay-for-play kind of changed some things with going into the late 90s and the 2000s, and you saw Mizuno's share kind of fall off, and it became, hey, who, who's cutting you a check? And that, that's what you're playing. And then a number of years ago, I'm going to call it, what, three or four years ago, when Nike exited the hard goods business, it was a great, great opportunity to kind of take take judgment on, let's see what people can actually play when the, the age of free agency actually starts to happen which you've seen for the last little bit. And it's, it's amazing how it almost seems like player after player, when given the opportunity to play whatever they want, comes back to a Mizuno iron. We've seen it again. We've seen it for the last couple of years. And we've got some new ones, actually. There, there's a brand new former number one who actually has some in play this week who, who hasn't before. Oh, really? This, this week, yeah. meaning this tournament coming, like we don't know about this one yet? This week, meaning as in, I think he's showing up to Tori today with a set of Mizuno. Wow. So okay. We'll let, I mean, we'll let we'll let the reader or let the listener figure out who that is. And there's plenty of people. Johnny Wonder is going to end up scooping me on it anyway. Anyways, like right now, Chris, you could drop the name, and Johnny Wonder is going to get the scoop in picture form, and GolfWRX.com will have it. But <laughs> I'm just gonna I'm just gonna post this tomorrow, and I'm gonna be like, you know what? Kind of kind of beat him to it. That'll be impressive, Perfect. though. I'm I'm actually now excited <laughs> about that. So you know. I have played for the past few years. I've played uh, Cobra Irons. I've been a Cobra player. And this year I took it, you know, kind of as a, I want to be able to create content. I want to, you know, I want to try everything and then test everything and fit myself how a player that comes in here to get fit by us actually, you know, goes through that process. So um, the first set of irons I've ordered were MP20s. So I've got some, go. I've got some MP20s on the way. I don't know when when they'll be here or whatever. I know times are times are, as as quick as sometimes things show up. Obviously, sometimes you got to wait a second on them. But um, you know, I obviously you know I like a certain shape, and for for whatever reason, I'm that guy that I sat in here for three hours and then time and time again hitting like JPX 921 tour and then mm -hmm. MP20, and for whatever reason. Everything that probably the JPX 921 is supposed to do would do. It would go a little higher. It'd spin a little more yep. than the MP, for whatever reason, the MP20 would just not spin as, and you could probably tell me this, but and then it would mm -hmm. draw just a little more. And for me, that's mm -hmm. bad because I'll start it left. And so if I start it left and it draws, you know, that's like the classic. So I ended up, you know, I'm like, all right, well, I want to order a set. I want to get some MP20s, build them up, see how they go. But then... And Cobra just dropped these like limited edition irons today. And I'm like, oh God, what do I, do? so I'm going to be that guy who literally I'm testing everything. But uh, to your point, what of, I love, they did drop the limited edition copper iron. Yeah. Someone else has done that before. If I'm not too mistaken, I'm pretty sure your MP20s might have a little bit of copper on them as well. It's so <laughs> funny you say that because I ended up actually putting the exact same ferrule. On, I just built up the six iron. I put the exact same ferrule that was on your copper irons because it obviously nice. it obviously goes. You don't have too many choices, and you can't. You know, like a lot. I got plenty of gold ferrules, but only so mm -hmm. many bronze ferrules out there. And BBF Co. They they make obviously a great ferrule that you guys had on this MP20 coppers. I wish I could find a set of the actual coppers, but they're on eBay and they are, there's like a whole nother market for those babies on eBay right now. 
it's amazing when we and and it, that's what's cool about Mizuno is we, there's so many like stories in terms of how we get to a product and how it's going to be received. I mean, actually. Look right there, the, the, the image of the copper. I couldn't right tell. There. I know the picture because I've seen it on Instagram, obviously, and probably on yep. your website. But because of the lighting, it almost looks chrome. Mm -hmm. But I'm like, there's a hint of there's a hint of copper in there. Well, it's funny because as as we're going through development, I mean, we knew there was something to that copper underlay in terms of the feel that it gives, and in terms of just the just the level of of just the added value that it brings to it, you know, an already good feeling golf club to feel that much softer. We knew we had something special there. Yep. And originally we weren't going to sell anything in the copper. And then we actually, that was a picture that we took at the open championship uh, last uh, in 2019 up in Ireland. And it was a picture when we were first showing the, the tour staff, the, the club. And really that was just the demo to say, this is what's underneath that Chrome you're going to get. And that picture went viral, like literally, like, I mean, it's amazing how it was just the feedback of, well, I want that in, you know, what, what that did. And then, and it just got us thinking because, you know, ultimately we do chrome plate our irons, almost all of them for a couple of reasons. One, you know, if you have a mirror chrome, like you have on the MC20, that's the toughest finish to do because that mirror chrome hides nothing. Mm -hmm. It has to be a perfect golf club. Those people who satin it or do some some sort of blast on top of it or something like that, that'll hide some imperfections. But with the Mizuno NT, we want it to be pure, and that's where that came from. So with the copper underneath, that is just another step that has to be that much more pure. And by selling the limited edition copper ones, those are going to patina or turn a little bit green as they age. So it's something that when you get them, yes, it's a, it's a premium. It costs more money, but it's going to age quicker. There's a certain market for that limited edition who will appreciate that, but there's also a group who's like, I just paid how much for these and they're turning green. So that's why it was not like our, our mass appeal one, but yeah. it's just a special edition. Yeah, well, I do like that though. Like, see, I'm that guy that, uh, and I sent you a pic of my irons in, on Instagram where I was like, dude, I, I took, they had a black PVD finish off of them and I did like this cheap, you know, DIY white vinegar trick and CLR and got rid of the black mm -hmm. and they would, they would patina, they almost bronzed and it was just, they, yeah, it looking down at it, it just looks better to me. You know, the, the black can make them look mm -hmm. pretty tiny sometimes. And, you know, so what I, sure. I, I really like that. And I always wondered if those copper ones or the, you know, the, the ones that are just copper, not the, the MP20s mm -hmm. with copper in them and then chrome overlay. I was wondered if those would stay like that or if they would kind of uh, soften or, or rust or dull or whatever you want to call it. Yeah, they, they, when you first get them out of the box, I mean, in that picture, it's a very shiny one. That actually, we put a clear coat on it just so it wouldn't age. Okay. But the ones that I, that you bought are the ones that I actually have a set of. I was fortunate enough to, uh, when we had a couple of the PGA show last year, one of them found its way into my bag, which was which was kind of nice. One set? But I've been playing with them for a, one set, so it, and they've aged, so yeah. they, but they look really nice. <laughs> Is that what you're playing currently at the moment then, or you just kind of take them out as a fun set? So I, t I, more than anything, I, I took them out kind of to look at how they would age just to understand it. I've never been really a blade guy though. So I've, okay. I've always played a smaller cavity bat. So I was always into I, like the JPX 900 tour I played, the 919 tour I played, and now the 92, or sorry, yeah, 900, 919, and now the 921. Those are in my bag just because I like, I don't mind a little bit longer blade and a little bit more forgiveness. 
just because I'm not someone who's necessarily trying to work a lot of shots. Like with my irons, I just wanted to go the same distance every time. Same same distance and straight. And and so funny how the yes. the game has changed to that where you know, these guys on tour nowadays, they're just they're just the ball is falling one direction or another. And they call that a fade. Mm-hmm. But if you talk to somebody 30, 40 years ago, it's like, no, 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 no. A fade starts at the left side of the green and it finishes on the right side yep. of the green. Like that's just, it goes from You're side exactly to side. Right. But I mean, it's, and it puts a lot of pressure on like, you know, I'm a decent golfer, but it puts pressure on us to go, wait a second, my ball's curving like five yards. Like, is that bad? Like, is that acceptable nowadays? <laughs> I don't even know. But um, it is, you know, the, the JPX line is, such a good performer so far in the Bay. I mean, we've opened our store in September. I think we got, I mean, that was right when the launch was, I believe for them, uh, kind mm-hmm. of in the fall. Yep. And when we got going with them, I mean, it, it took no time for like to, to go, all right, well, this is, this is, these hot metals are going to be hot this year. These nine, two, one forge, they're going to be hot this year. And you start to kind of mm-hmm. learn what player is going to fit very well into them. And they're, they're pretty impressive. So kudos to you guys on another, because I think, I think the last JPX were great. The ones before that were great. But this one, I, I do believe, is a little bit of a jump forward for as far as the players I see hitting them. The feedback on feel, looks, performance has been fantastic. I think so, too. And I appreciate you saying that. One of the, one of the cool things is, you know, Mizuno has this perception from the outside looking in where everyone's saying, so they, either I'm not good enough to play Mizuno, they only make muscle backs, they only make players clubs. And that's where the JPX line and the hot metal line in particular is really, I think, turned or opened some eyes to what Mizuno does and how we can engineer some golf clubs. Because you put those up against anybody in terms of ball speed, in terms of ease of launch, in terms of consistency. The JPX hot metal was is a fantastic iron. The 921 just takes it to a whole nother level. And if you look at the JPX hot metal, just I'll just speak to the turn to the year of 2020. One in every 20 sets was sold of any iron was a hot metal. For Mizuno to have the hot metal as our number one iron, it's not what you think of it for Mizuno. You know, you think of, oh, well, they must sell more muscle backs than anything else, but it's not even close. I mean, the hot metal just blows everything away. And then the hot metal pro with a little bit less offsets in our top lines in our soul for the same amount of ball speed, it really can, can turn some heads. Yeah, no, and that's just it. I've seen that. And, you know, for me, I've seen, like, the, the player that hits it too high because they actually – Add loft and impact, those you just put those in their hand and all of a sudden their ball mm-hmm. flight comes down. The the nine two one forged as well can be very well for for that player. Um just from what I've seen. And some players mm-hmm. kinda you know, is very level at the ball. It really as far as their angle of attack, it really changes the ball flight. It's it's quite amazing. And that's been a really good one as well, where we've actually brought the chromoly material that we had in our hot metal and hot metal pro, brought it to the forged world. So the 921 Forge, it's got all the feel you expect from a Mizuno, plus some hidden forgiveness and some hidden ball speed in there. So you're right, it, it speaks to a wide range of players. And the cool thing about it is we actually made it smaller than the previous version. Where, you know, you look at the industry where it's like the next version always has to be X amount more forgiving, blah, blah, blah. If we can make it more forgiving but make it smaller, then you're really talking to a lot of people. Yeah, well, and then that's when you start finding that club potentially getting some tour exposure too. Like, how many do, do does the Hot Metal Pro find its way in the Long Irons on tour a lot? It does. So yeah. the Hot Metal Pro, even starting going back to like the uh, the nine one nine Hot Metal Pro, that was probably our most popular Long Iron. The HMB when that came out, that kind of took hold. But before that, the uh, the Hot Metal Pro, we have a lot of people playing it. And there's actually. 
uh, again, it, it, we're, Mizuno's always in a little bit of a tricky spot where you can't necessarily name names of players. We <laughs> There's don't play a player. A he yeah. likes to wear there green. A, I don't know. There was a really funny video. Uh, the Tour Championship of 2008, no, 2019, where there was a player who was right there in the mix coming down with a chance to win the FedEx Cup who his caddy actually pulled the wrong of our hot metal pros. He had two hot metal pros in. The funny thing is, because it's such a strong, it is a strong loss in golf clubs, particularly compared to what the tour players use. Yep. So a lot of the ones being used on tour, they've actually like blacked out the sole number. So that so there doesn't say four on it because that four is their three and that five is their four. So we actually wanted to hit a four iron and his caddy handed him the three iron and he hit a perfect swing and it airmailed what he was wanting on 18. And the reaction, if you go back and look, it was a really funny video. That's how that, see, I didn't even know that that player, I thought that player was a Mizzy guy. I thought he was. I thought he was playing your gear like, you know, I didn't know that. Oh my God. I mean, I know exactly what I'm talking about. I know exactly you're talking about. It's one of the funniest (laughs) things that I've ever seen. Just, it was great. And, and people from that side of the world too, they can say a little and be way funnier than everyone else. It's really, it's really interesting how that works. And so the You're whole situation, totally right. yeah. it was all his expression. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's really good. So then um, just moving into you were t- we talked to irons and I know that we've got, I'm sure we've got a new MP coming eventually. Right. Can we go back to the, <laughs> if, you're, if you're watching the video, it's like, mm? um, if we go back a while though, and we go all the yeah. way back, I know that the MP twenties have copper and there was a big debate and a test on tour where they said, Hey, hit this iron and hit this iron. Which one do you like? And I guess it was overwhelming yeah. majority players like the one that had copper in it versus the one that didn't. How far back do we have to go in Mizuno irons to get that copper? So it's, that's a great question. So if you go way back, if, you know, I think one of the most popular, I'd say a couple of the most popular sets in the in the U.S. from Mizuno ever were the MP14s and MP29s. A lot of people remember those. Again, there's a guy who won the Masters in 97 who was playing those golf clubs. So the MP29s were the Western World adaptation of what was called the TN87 that was made in, in Japan, TN standing for Tommy Nakajima. So it literally, they were the same golf club. The only difference was the TN87s had the copper underlay, and the Western World ones, just because of over in the states and in Europe, the price points they couldn't accept what they could in Japan, where golf clubs were crazy expensive. So actually, to bring the price down a little bit, the MP29 did not have a copper underlay. So to go back to find a, a copper underlay in a Juno club, you have to go back to 1987, which was that TN87 set. Since then, we've gone away from it. And we'd actually kind of look for feel in a number of different ways. So we had tried to engineer feel in terms of processes, like you've seen our grain flow forging evolve and our grain flow forging HD. You've seen some material changes from a 1025 to a 1025 Elite. And then you've also seen some geometry changes in what we call our harmonic impact technology, where we try to make sure that the, all of the clubs are going to vibrate exactly as they should, because a lot of vibration is feel. So we went down a lot of these different paths to chase feel as well. And again, I don't think there's any denying that the 33s and the 14s and the 29s had phenomenal feel. Yeah. But we saw just a little bit extra that we could get by doing that copper under it as well. So that just all essentially like turns down the volume of impact by just a little bit. So it's something that's been really successful. The copper does. The copper turns down the volume. 
So that's the does. Exactly. that's why the MP20 feels so much different to me than the MP18. It's because of that. You're exactly right. So yeah, essentially the, the you know the material, the process, those are all the same. But by adding that layer of copper, it's copper. It'll vibrate. It'll uh, absorb just a little bit of vibration. The frequencies of vibration are very similar. So like the uh, the character of the sound, like what you feel, the the pitch, all of those are very similar. But the actual like decibel level, so like the sound, the sound pressure of it will be turned down just a notch. Okay. See, and I was also asking because I had some selfish interest in something we're doing. So one of the first sets of clubs I bought when I got better at golf, because I started golf when I was like 12, 13, I played, had some like Dunlops from Kmart, you know, after the hand-me-down set from like 1970. Mm -hmm. And then, um, so I started playing golf around 96, 97, go figure. There was somebody out there, uh, you know, that uh, kind of influenced the game a little bit. And I ended up coming into, after my tailor-made fire soles, I ruined those Mm -hmm. by taking the badges (laughs) off of them, put some lead tape on them. I was like, just gear nerd, right? Trying to like, just be cool. And I bought some MP 14s off eBay and I got such a good deal on these. But the reason I got such a good deal on these, Chris, was because the faces were gone. They were so (laughs) good. There was no groove in the, like the bottom three grooves. And they had like these perfect triangles, not not perfect triangles, terrible triangles. Like whoever had them before me was not the the player that I I wish that he was because it would have made me look really cool. Right. And I went out and played with them. And obviously, like, I, I got them in the winter. And I went, I'm from Indiana, and I'm playing. And it's, like, Thanksgiving, and it was freezing cold. There was actually some ice oh. on the greens. And I hit one bad shot. And I was like, that is, that is just the worst feeling yeah. in the world. And then once <laughs> I finally, like, you know, and they were two degrees flat and all this stuff. And I'm like, all right, well, I played with those for a while, believe it or not. And then I ended up getting some Mizuno grads. I don't know if you, you know, were you around Mizuno at that time? I was not around Mizuno at the time, but I was very familiar with okay. that golf club. That was a really good club. Super underrated forged golf club for somebody who was, you know, still needed a little bit of help, a little bit of forgiveness, but wanted that forged feel and have something that looks yep. a little sleeker. And it was fantastic. Yeah, they were a, a little bit longer toe to heel, had some really nice perimeter weighting just along the top, or sorry, along the sole side and along the toe. Yes. And then actually allowed it to have a very thin top line as well. So it looked very players but added a little bit of forgiveness to it. And that's it. So from the very beginning, I've always liked that, that really thin top line. So we are going to, this year, my, my wife and I, we put on events. We actually have a company called Steez and Tees. I don't know if I have a, we, we, we should do a season desist on the STZ driver because our logo is definitely an <laughs> STZ. Um, but, you know, with that zoom, I got a divot tool here. So I don't know if you can see that little, it's, but oh, it's you know, hey, I know, but there's, a, there's a, like a little golf tee in there. So I could see how you guys were like, no, we were, we're still going to go through with our plans. And but besides, I'm just going to actually say we that apologize, I, but. no, I bribed you. To, I bribed you. I blackmailed you to come on the podcast, you know, just over that. I said, I'm coming after you guys. But but anyway, um, we're going to do a retro golf tournament somewhere. And my idea is that all the clubs have to come because everybody's doing these persimmon tournaments. I want to do like yep. 97 to 2001. So that way players oh. can use the wound ball if they want, but they can also use a, a urethane ball or a, or a solid core golf ball, if you will. And we can have some options, yep. you know, and there's obviously, I remember the Mizuno driver back then was bright blue. I think it was like the Tzoid. It was bright blue and had like a silver face and it just, I couldn't hit it because it just wasn't good enough. Uh, I couldn't hit any driver back then. Like, let's be real. And it was so beautiful, but we're going to, we're going to do a retro tournament and I'm sitting here trying to figure out what irons do I get? And 
majority of the people are coming and saying, get some MP14s, get some MP14s, yep. but they're so hard to find in good shape. Uh, but I, but I feel are. like... Well, I, I'll be on the lookout around here. Let me know when you get there, when you get close to there. I might have a 1429 combo set sitting around. <laughs> I'm just telling you, I'm just telling you, I am in the market today. So if you see something that could make sense, uh, holler, because the options are not very good on uh, eBay and all the used club places and whatnot. So, but I, I think... Eyes are peeled. Yeah, I think too, though. <laughs> yeah, I think too, though, those irons would stand the test of time today if you went out there with a... With a normal golf ball and went out and played golf. I, th- I think you'd be able to get it around the golf course, no problem. I think so. The, fun, the thing that's been really interesting that's even happened in the player's world, though, is just a creep of loss. Like, to understand what the loss yeah. were of the 14s and the 29s. Like, the pitching wedge now, where it's not uncommon to see a muscle-back pitching wedge at 45, 46, maybe 47 degrees on the weekend. The pitching wedge of those was 49. So it's a very weak lofted golf club. So it's like, even if you want, say, I reject technology and I want something that does nothing for me, you're still getting stronger lofts today. It's crazy. Yeah, no, it, it is. And it, it, so many players need it, though. So explain the launch just real quick, and this we'll close at this, because I know you've got a lot going on today with the launch of the driver, the STZ, and the STX. But wh- explain the loft jacking and, and anybody in your position, I'm going to have answer this because everybody says the same yeah. answer. And for me, I want to hammer it home. So explain why lofts are getting stronger. So there's a number of reasons why lofts are getting stronger. I mean, you could, you could go with the, the absolute most cynical approach to it is that everyone wants to say, I hit my seven iron the farthest, so I'll make my seven iron the strongest. Yeah. That's the cynical look at it. From the engineering side, though, there's a lot of reasons why we're able to execute a stronger loft. So with the the use of multi-materials, the use of different constructions, the use of very extreme geometry, the center of gravity of a modern-day golf club is nowhere near the center of gravity location where it used to be on a golf club. It's typically much deeper. The MOIs are much much larger. uh, It's not only deeper, but it's also lower. So the sweet spot's traditionally lower. So a club's going to launch a lot higher. So I'll say, for example, let's go back to say you have a 30, 30, 36 degree pitching wedge which is or sorry seven iron which was like back in the day so that seven iron let's say it launched around 20 degrees at actual impact you take a modern golf club you can get a very similar 20 degree launch angle from a club that's about six or seven degrees stronger than that in addition because of where the sweet spot is you get that launch but you can also maintain spin rates so you're actually able to get just a lot out of it on top of that, the faces are hotter. So when the ball's coming off quicker, if it comes off quick and high, you get ballooning golf shots. So if you know if you were to take a very weak golf club and put a high COR on it, it's not even going to go farther. It's just going to go higher. Mm-hmm. And then in likelihood, it could go shorter because that added launch is going to add more spin. It could come down very steep. So all of it's really just a quest to put together the best 14 clubs in your bag. And that's where fitters are the key to this whole thing. Because not everybody needs the strongest 7-iron. Not everyone needs the highest COR. Not everyone needs a muscle back. Most people need somewhere in between. And they need a set makeup that really pulls in parts from from each different model of iron. So loft jacking, while it's, it has a very negative reputation, it's there for a very good engineering reason. So do you need the strongest of everything? Probably not. We have to have those lofts yep. in order for the ball to do what the ball needs to do. Otherwise, we'd have crazy windows and ridiculously bad performance from certain golf clubs. 
Yeah, and ultimately, you're not going to be able to benefit from a lot of the technologies, the face technologies in particular, where you're getting more ball speed. If there's too much loss with that added COR, you're not going to get the benefit of that. So a lot of that added force of the of the ball speed coming off quicker is just going to make it take off higher and ultimately could end up going shorter. Yeah. So to maximize the, the use of that technology and how much you get out of it, we do have some creeping loss getting stronger, but ultimately it's designed to make sure you get the best set that's going to match for you. And that's how every golf sh- golf club should be uh, designed, right? To make a player better. Absolutely. That That's the number one goal. And that's why, you know, we get so frustrated when people buy stuff off the rack and don't visit a fitter and try to understand how do I make sure this golf club is going to work for me? Because we're putting a lot of cool technology in there. But if you're, you know, getting it with specs that don't match you or a set makeup that doesn't match you or a shaft that doesn't match you, you're not going to benefit from all the technologies. So ultimately get with a fitter and try to see where these technologies can work throughout different parts of your bag. I like it. Well, Chris Voschel from Azuno, I appreciate you coming on the pod so much. I'm looking forward to when you can visit a fitter here in uh, Fleming Island, little Fleming Island, jacked right outside of Jacksonville, Florida. Uh, I know we spoke. You go down to Palm Coast a little bit. We've got this big Steez and Tees, this STZ, this Steez and Tees event at uh, at Hammock Beach. So uh, maybe we can time something out. We would love to do a bunch with you here. You know, if you can come by for a day and uh, spend some time with us, and you know, as soon as as soon as I can, you're not far from me either. I I'm not scared of going north let's make something happen I'm, I'm all about that i like it all right chris well congratulations on a great launch looking forward to getting this stuff in the fitting matrix and uh in the fitting bay and uh you know it's going to be probably an amazing year as always on the uh, iron side of things for mizuno but it's it's looking up for the wood side as well looks like you guys are hanging tough don't, yeah don't sleep on the new woods get it in the hitting bay and, and put it up against anybody it's going to perform and the side little thing is couple hundred dollars less than some of them too which is always a a nice thing for people i saw that it's even isn't it even a little less than last year's gear so so last year we had the g which was 500 and then we had the st uh 200 and then the st 200x which was 400 the new z and the x are both 400 as well so they're the same price okay but again i mean one of the most affordable if not the most affordable driver on the market and with no shortage of technology. So we're excited about it. Awesome, man. Well, congratulations. And uh, again, thanks for hopping on the show. Appreciate you so much, man. Absolutely. Speak soon. All right. See you, buddy.